And thank you all for being with us today at River Oaks. It is so great to have you here. Welcome to you and all of those joining us online this morning. This is a really special day for us because we're going to recognize our graduates. And if you got a bulletin on the way in or if you're looking at a bulletin online, you'll see that we got a, a whole lot of high school graduates uh, listed there in the bulletin this year. While you're looking at the bulletin, I want to call a few things to your attention. One is the upcoming summer block party. This is one of the most exciting ways to get involved in ministry to our children. This will be June 27th through 29th, Monday to Wednesday nights. We need a lot of volunteers. The chairs will be gone from the sanctuary uh, on those evenings, and there will be hundreds of kids in here jumping and shouting and worshiping the Lord, having a great time. It is really a fun time. So. I'd encourage you to uh, consider volunteering. You'll notice the other upcoming events in our bulletin. Next week, we uh, will have some special missionary guests from a very unreached and sensitive part of the world. Invite you to join them for lunch afterwards, and then a very brief congregational meeting after this first service next Sunday at 1020. Finally, as you look at the bulletin, we always appreciate it if you fill out these Hey, I'm Here cards and drop it in the, the baskets at the door as you leave. You can put your prayer request there or things you'd like to know more about. And uh, speaking of prayer, when the service ends today, we will always have people available to pray with you at these back tables. We call them our prayer tables. Never leave here in need of prayer. Speaking of prayer, I'd like to take just a couple minutes and ask you to join me in praying right now. Could we pray again? Father, as we are gathered today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you are the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions. We pray today for those who are grieving in Buffalo, those who are grieving in Texas, those who are grieving in Ukraine. Lord, as we look at the world around us, we think of the words of Psalm 2. Why did the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? But we recall the last verse of that psalm, blessed are all who take refuge in you. So this morning, Lord, we place our trust in you, our hope in you. You are our refuge and our strength. Father, I pray for the comfort of your people who are part of our service today, that they would sense your presence with them. They would sense your shepherding care. And I pray that these words will be true for them. And I would ask you just to, to let these words sink down into your soul and bring you the Lord's peace, his shalom this morning. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, may these words, your words, be applied to the hearts of your people with comfort 
assurance and confidence in you. And I ask this in the holy name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Well, we are beginning this summer a short series that we're calling Questions. And we're going to be looking at some of the the questions that may have entered uh, your minds from time to time, questions that arise around moral and cultural and theological issues. Last week, Pastor Sonny began us with uh, the question, how can I grow through the journey of grief? This morning, we're going to talk about how to grow through adversity, things like loneliness, uh, hurt, rejection, hardship. And with our high school graduates in mind, I'd like to look at the example of a man, young man, who was only 17 years old, but remarkable, absolutely remarkable in his steadfast trust in God and in God's plan for his life. Young man was Joseph. Pebble read the start of his account in the book of Genesis just a few minutes ago. We're going to scan through the account of Joseph. He's given a lot of space at the very end of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible. When we're introduced to Joseph, we see that when he was 17 years old, Joseph had a God-given dream. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. Joseph was the 11th son of his father, and his father had more than one wife, but his father was Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, from whom the the nation of Israel would ultimately come. Joseph was his 11th son, and because he was the son of his old age, he was his father's favored son. His father had made him the, the robe of many colors or coat of many colors, and because of this, his brothers uh, disliked him. But his brothers disliked him even more when Joseph told him he'd had a dream. He said, I've had a dream. And in the dream, we were all binding sheaves together. And all your sheaves bowed down around my sheaf. Now, it was a God-given dream. But I'm not sure how wise it was of him to tell his brothers the dream. Then he had another dream, and the sun and the moon and 11 stars are bowing down before him, and and his father says, what? All of us, your whole family bowing down before you? But his father kept these sayings in mind. His brothers, however, were furious. They hated Joseph. And we read next as we follow his account in Genesis 37 that Joseph was rejected by his brothers. Not only was he rejected but when his father sent them to, to check up on them as they were, were watching over his father's flocks, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer, come then, let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We'll say that a fierce animal has devoured him, and then we'll see what will become of his dreams. Well, <clears throat> pretty serious for brothers to do that to a brother, but they're eldest brother, Reuben, wanted to spare his life. He said, no, don't kill him. Let's just, let's just keep him in one of these pits here. And they put him into a pit. They stripped off his multicolored robe, that coat of many colors. And while they were sitting down having a meal, a band of Ishmaelite traders, a caravan, came by. And Judah, one of the brothers, 
stood up and said, hey, let's, let's, let's not kill him. I mean, he is our brother. Let's not shed his blood. Let's get a little money out of it. Uh, let's sell him. Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother, our own flesh, and his brothers listen to him. Slavery, unfortunately, has been around a long time, even since these early days in Scripture. As these traders came by, they drew Joseph up out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. They took Joseph to Egypt. Now, I want to ask you to think about something for just a moment. Joseph was only 17 years old. He's the age of many of our high school graduates, approximately. 17, taken off into slavery, rejected by his brothers, taken away from his parents, sold as a slave into another nation. Can you imagine the rejection, the hurt, the loneliness, incredible loneliness. Imagine this young man, all by himself, sold as a slave into another nation. Well, in Egypt, Joseph was purchased by a man named Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the guard of Pharaoh, a high officer in Egypt. And Potiphar put him at work over his household and his affairs. And, and he saw that Joseph was remarkable in his work ethic, in his service, in his faithfulness. And he even discerned that the Lord blessed whatever Joseph did. And his whole household was blessed because of Joseph. And so he put Joseph in charge of everything in his house. And things went well until Potiphar's wife. And Joseph faced a different type of adversity, the adversity of temptation. Joseph, we read in Genesis 39, was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything in my charge. She did not like that. And Joseph was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. We read later in verse 11 of Genesis 39. One day when he, Joseph, went into the house to do his work, and none of the men in the house was there in the house, she caught him by the garment, saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Now, let me just pause a moment and say this. <laughs> Joseph did not try to negotiate with temptation. He didn't stand there and try to justify what he would or would not do. He fled. And let me just say there are many times in life you just have to leave an environment where there is temptation. There is a time to flee a party, a dorm room, a car full of people, a group, even a group of friends. There is a time to flee a setting where you know temptation will be present. And Joseph did that. He fled. And as soon as she saw that he had 
left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he's brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I'd lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Now, Joseph had done nothing wrong. In fact, he'd done a lot right. <laughs> he'd done the right thing before God. But sometimes evil people will seek to punish you for doing the right thing. Potiphar's wife lied, and Joseph was falsely accused, and he was put in prison unjustly. Now think about him for a moment. Seventeen years old, he's sold into slavery. He is rejected by his own family, his own brothers. He worked hard. He was faithful. He didn't do anything wrong in Potiphar's house, and now he's lied about, and now he's put into prison. How must he feel now? Unjustly in prison, Joseph was. Soon as his master heard the words that his wife had spoken, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. Joseph's master took him, put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in the prison. However, in prison, this young man would continue to work as if he were working for the Lord, and he would find favor in the eyes of the keeper of the prison, so much so that ultimately he would be promoted out of the prison by Pharaoh himself, and that promotion would place him over even Potiphar. And in that high role, highest in Egypt except for Pharaoh himself, Joseph would be used by God to preserve the Israelites through whom ultimately would come the Messiah, Jesus. But the question I'd like to consider this morning is how? How did someone so young persevere through so much that was so hard? Rejection? Betrayal? Isolation? unfairness, all this injustice. Joseph advanced through adversity, I think, for, for a few reasons. Number one, most importantly, Joseph advanced through the adversity he faced. Number one, because the Lord was with him and gave him favor. <laughs> Joseph's advancement is more about Joseph's God than it is about Joseph. And the scripture makes that very clear. Let's not make the mistake of looking at Joseph and saying, okay, I got to work real hard. I got to be just like him. I got to be just like him. I got to work real hard. Wait a minute. What happened in Joseph's life happened because of God's presence with him. The Lord was with him. Genesis 39, 2 and 4, we read these words. This is when he was in Potiphar's house. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him. As you read about Joseph, you'll see these words over and over. The Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. The Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. Later in Genesis 39, 21, 23, we read these words when he was in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. 
and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Now, here's what we should know. The same Lord who was with Joseph, the very same Lord, is with, always with, every man or woman, boy or girl, everyone who has placed his or her faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord was with Joseph. That's the main reason things happened in his life as they did. But secondly, Joseph remained faithful to God despite temptation and adversity. By saying God was with him, I don't mean to imply Joseph had no responsibility. Joseph made right choices. Our choices matter. We are responsible before God. While the outcome was due to God's calling and God's work and favor, Joseph's role was important, and Joseph was exceedingly faithful, even when he faced temptation. Notice the way Joseph responded to Potiphar's wife when she confronted him in the household. He says to her, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. He's put everything he has in my charge. He's not greater in the house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me except you because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. You see this young man's faithfulness. He saw that adultery was a, quote, great wickedness, but he also saw this, to sin, to sin against Potiphar, to sin at all, was to sin against God. This is an important theological truth right here. All sin that we commit is ultimately sin against the Lord, even if it does not involve another person. Abusing your body with drugs or alcohol or gluttony is to sin against God. Filling your mind with pornography is to sin against God. And Joseph recognized this, and he remained faithful to God despite temptation and the adversity that, that followed his faithfulness. But then thirdly, Joseph was part of a greater plan than he could have possibly known. We move ahead now to Genesis chapter 45. Having been released from prison after quite some time there, Joseph has been promoted by Pharaoh. Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Pharaoh's dream that there would be a, a time of great plenty in Egypt, a great abundance of harvest, but then a time of famine. Joseph had rightly interpreted these dreams, so Pharaoh promoted Joseph to be in charge of the storing up of food for the years of famine. I want to ask you to think about something here. Maybe some of you already know the answer to this. Joseph was 17 when he was rejected by his brothers, thrown into the pit, um, sold into slavery in Egypt. He has not seen his mom, his dad, or his brothers since he was age 17, but now his dream's going to come to pass. Now he's going to see them, 
in Genesis 45. Any guess as to how old he was at this time? Anybody take a guess? He was 17 when he was rejected. Any idea how old he was? I see the number. Is that four and 20, 20 what? 24. Any other guess? 33. You're getting warmer. Any other guess? 44, you're too old there. <laughs> he was 39. He was 39. Here's how we know that. He's 17 when the account begins. And in Genesis 41 and verse 46, we're told that when Joseph was taken up out of prison to enter the service of Pharaoh to oversee the distribution of food, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh. So he hadn't seen his family for 13 years. Now, there have been seven years of plenty in which Joseph served, stored up all the food. And at the end of that time, he's 37. And now we're two years into the seven years of famine, which would make him 39. So, 22 years, I think, since he's seen them. And he's held under this dream. And he's faced... certainly incredible loneliness, isolation. He's been forgotten. But now his dream's going to come to pass. He's 39. His brothers come down to Egypt because they hear there's food there. They're experiencing famine where they are, but there's food in Egypt. And they don't recognize Joseph. And they came near. And he finally reveals himself and says, I'm your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. Can you imagine what they thought? <laughs> wow, there go our heads. But l- look at the generosity of spirit. Here's what Joseph says. Now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Can you imagine that? If you had 22 years to store up the anger against somebody who wanted to kill you and rejected you and sold you into slavery and then people put you into prison, would you not be pretty angry? Do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, here's the key to Joseph. He maintained a focus on God. He kept his trust in God. He kept his faith in God. God was his great vision. For the famine has been in the land these two years. So he's two years into the famine. And there are yet five years in which there'll be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He's made me a father to Pharaoh and the Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And you know, in the rest of the Bible, Joseph is remembered as the one whom God used to preserve the Israelites which is so very important because through the Israelites would ultimately come the Messiah, Jesus. The book of Psalms 105 has a remarkable uh, uh, section in which Joseph is referred to. Um, Psalm 105 is kind of an overview, a short overview of the history of Israel and God's faithful work. This is a little segment of Psalm 105. When, when God summoned, when he is a reference to God here, a famine on the land and broke all supply of bread. And Psalm 105 was written years later. 
He sent a man ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. His feet were hurt with fetters. His neck was put in the collar of iron. It was not easy when he was sold into slavery. Until what he had said came to pass, as until what God had said came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. Joseph did not have it easy. It was a test of faith. Don't think it was easy. The king sent and released him. The ruler of the people set him free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of his possessions to bind his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. That is, Pharaoh promoted him. And then Israel came to Egypt. Jacob sojourned in the land of Ham. Uh, Joseph's father was Jacob, but his name was changed to Israel. So at this time, Israel was just a big family. That's it, about 70 people. But it was in Egypt they became a mighty nation. The Lord made his people very fruitful and made them stronger than their foes. Here's the point. They were just a family in a famished land. They came to Egypt. God used Joseph to bring them there, to preserve them, to provide for them. And here's what the book of, well, God used Joseph to provide for them where they'd become a mighty nation. And here's what the book of Exodus says. Then Joseph died and all his brothers and that generation, but the people of Israel, they're not just a family of 70 people now. The people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. So that by the time Moses, the deliverer, led them out of Egypt, where at that time they were all enslaved, they were a mighty, mighty mighty nation. Joseph is remembered in the book of Acts in the New Testament. Stephen preaches about him. Paul makes reference to how God used him. But here's the important thing. Joseph played a role in the preservation of the people to whom ultimately the Messiah, Jesus, would come. Satan would like to have destroyed the Israelites. Some of you have read the Old Testament book of Esther, I'm sure. In the book of Esther, there's this evil man, Haman, who makes it his mission to completely obliterate, to destroy, to kill all of the Jews, to wipe them out. God raises up a young woman, a very young woman, named Esther, for such a time as that, and uses her to preserve the Israelites, just like God used Joseph, when they were only a family, to preserve them so that ultimately they'd become a great nation. And then one day, there would be, born of the Jews, a child named Jesus, whose name means the Lord is salvation. Born of the Jews, fulfilling the promise made to Abraham years before. He, at the age of 33, would be taken and nailed to a cross where he would shed his blood and die to pay for our sins. The Apostle Paul would say that through him, through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is now proclaimed so that those who receive him, those who believe in him, those who are his, are freed from everything you could not be freed from by the keeping of the law. Jesus the Lord of all. Joseph, just like Esther, 
played a key role. And I want to say this as we close this morning. Those of you graduating, and we're really going to miss you. If some of you going off to, to college, some of you going off to military, some of you going off directly into missions. We're so proud of our graduates. Like Joseph, you are living at a time in our world that I think is, I would even say, desperate. Many people say that things, even in the United States of America, are more challenging and more difficult for Christians and those who want to honor God and obey His Word. And what I would say to you is that our world really, really needs people like Joseph and Esther. Young people who will follow God fully, who will follow His plan, who will seek Him first, who will say yes to God and His word and His call and no to the deceptions of Satan and of this world, no matter how appealing they may appear to be. We're in a needy time in our world right now. But God has made you graduates who you are for such a time as this. I read yesterday what someone recently wrote that it would be a waste to have been born in a time when we were not needed. And you are needed. And so I would say to those of you graduating especially, and to all of us, remember Joseph but especially remember Joseph's God. If your faith is in Jesus, the Lord is with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. There may be, in fact, there certainly will be times that you experience rejection, isolation, loneliness. If you stand for God, sometimes you will stand alone. And yes, sometimes you will have to flee the environment of temptation, to be faithful to God. The Lord was with Joseph, and he will be with you. Like Joseph, remain steadfast in faithfulness to him. Do not let your heart get embittered by those who seek to harm you. And remember that like Joseph, you can be, will be, and you are part of a plan that is much greater than you can fully see now. Joseph just saw a little part of the plan. He could not have seen all that God was going to do through him and through the gospel. So remember Joseph, but especially remember Joseph's God. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that we are alive at such a time as this. We see the nations raging, we see turmoil, we see evil all around us, but Lord, we want to be your people. We want to be lights in a dark world. And I especially pray for our graduates, that you would strengthen them with mighty power by your spirit in their innermost being. And Father, turn our hearts to full and complete devotion to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.